got all the right steps in Charleston. They now can try their slipper and see if it fits at the big ball. These Tennessee State Buccaneers, they're dancing, boys and girls. Perea lays it up. 1.4. Perea hits it. The pass is caught. Ready for the game winner. Wide left. Bucks win. Bucky spotting for three. The place is going to erupt. Oh, Deuce Bellow. He's going to make Sports Center with an incredible. Jarvis Jones, the game winner, got it. Ball game. East Tennessee State's going to leave on another. They got him. If he catches it, it's over. Ball game. Touchdown, Jawan Stinson. 25 yards. J.J. German for the win. He got it. J.J. German and the Bucks have shocked the Bulldogs. And the. Uh, hello? Bueller. 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 It's Sandos in the. Don't do it. If you value our partnership, don't do it. We've been putting it in together five years. Don't do it. Mike. Don't, don't do it. Mike. Dude, who's there? Why'd you do it? Mike. Why? Why? To humiliate me? Orange. For what? No. No. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. No. 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 Hell no. 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 I refuse. No. No. On the Buccaneers Sports Network. Good Friday, Jay Sandos, no sidekick, or is he the new sidekick? Matt Wiljam joins us as we're going to talk a little ETSU. Robert Moore, I'm coming in hot too. Oof, Oof. better turn that down. I'm screaming at everybody. I don't mind screaming at everybody. I mean, I, as you know, I tend to get, uh, I'm quite excitable. The octave can be hit high. Jay, we've been on some calls together where you kind of blow out the, you blow out the booth, so I'm, I'll attest. You're, you're not afraid to pipe those lungs a little bit yeah i mean you know if you can't see i got excited there see how that octave hit there i did just get you know i don't know i like for the people to feel what i'm feeling uh now sometimes that's bad i've gone back and listened to a couple calls and I went, Ooh, God. that's what somebody told me if i turn on the game in your first two sentences i can tell for winning or losing regardless and i said well that's you know that's fair that's okay i don't know i don't know if that's the the pro style uh Probably not, if you know, stuff you want to turn in. But, you know, who turned in resume of that, you know? Yeah, it's all right. All right, well, let's talk a little bit about uh, Robert Morris. First, I want to backtrack a little bit because these two teams played in different circumstances, 2015-2017. The road trip 2015, first year of football, that was a game where ETSU could really move the ball, but to a certain point. It seemed like they always got the ball – to like the 30 and of the plus 30 and then would struggle and then you know jj german roll out there and kick field goals similar he had three field goals in that game but going back and looking at some other games that seemed to be the situation and in 2017 home game it's a green stadium it's the third year now football you've had four you know because you redshirted a big class you at least had four year you know three year and a different style of game plus you have more scholarship than robert morris and ets you rolled in that one which also by the way saw J.J. German three field goals. Yeah, no, no surprise there. J.J. German, we, we leaned on his leg heavy in those early years. And that, that 2015 game, you know, we were just fighting to be competitive in games. And the chance to score touchdowns, not field goals, was, was, was key for us. I, I remember the frustration of being in that office calling the game, which was a unique I'm stadium st- I'm setup. still there. I've already asked. Yeah. And, uh, but, but knowing, like, Right before halftime, we had a chance to score and we couldn't do it. And right at the end of the game, we had a chance. And 
and and we just couldn't get over the hump and that felt like a game that we should have won um and it was i know it was really frustrating to coach torbush and the boys not to be able to come out of pit greater pittsburgh area and get a victory that that year and that was probably the only time I asked Billy Taylor this yesterday. I think it's the only time that Darren Artis really got burned for a long touchdown. He got burned for an 84-yarder. Um, it was about the only time I think he ever got burned. Uh, and then, you know, ETSU was down, I think it was uh, was at 14-9 to at that point. And then ETSU on fourth and, you know, forever from their own 20-yard line went for it. And then Robert Morris, as the game expired, scored another touchdown to make it 21-9. But it was – right there a one-score game in a season that against FCS opponents was tough to get to a one-score game. Yeah, it, it really was. I mean, I think about that game. I think about Mercer, uh, other games that season that we that were kind of punching above our weight, so to speak, and, and to not walk out of there with a victory made it really bitter. So you roll forward to 2017 and you get a chance to, you know, to get a little bit of revenge. I think this year is completely different story, though. I think the programs have headed in opposite directions. I think that's a testament to the commitment that not only the university has made, but the, this community has made towards the ETSU program to, to put us, you know, where we are now. So uh, it's a great trip. Looking forward to, uh, I won't be there, but looking forward to hearing hearing the call from you guys on, on Saturday. We've got a lot of fun memories from this trip, and I know you guys will have a great time this weekend. I think the interesting thing, both teams have gone uh, for the positive direction. ETSU from 2015-17, obviously the program – the next year for ETSU, we go to the playoffs and last year's magical run for Robert Morris. They go from Northeast Conference, which is a about a 40 scholarship league to the Big South. Now, talk to their head coach, Clark uh, Bernard Clark Jr. yesterday, who said, now the scholarships are there. They're getting there. It's a slow build, as you can imagine, but they're not quite to the 63 yet, but they are going to get there. And so the commitment really to both programs and what we saw from 2015 to 2017 has just grown leaps and bounds. Yeah, it has. And I think uh, in, in these two programs, it's the what the absence of football meant for them and, and what it means to, to bring it back. And, you know, football in, in Pennsylvania is huge, just like it is here in, in Tennessee. And so they're proud of their program. They're proud of their growth. It's a little bit slower burn for them. But, uh, you know, th- no one's no one's talking about um, you know who's invested in what when it comes to Saturday. Once that that ball kicks off, it's it's us versus them, and and uh, you know look forward to a good good game. So let's break a little bit down of the game. Um, start with with more known that we study more ETSU. I went back and I watched, and I talked about this on Tuesday. I don't know if you heard me and Robert talk yet or not. So if you didn't, this is good. It'd be a fresh take. Um, but literally, I, I said you know talking to folks after the game, it was immediately on the line play and everything but I went back and watched and there were throws that should have been made it could have been made bad reads by the quarterback there were blocks not picked up by the running backs there was a fumble by the running back there was offensive line that yes didn't protect but also they were protecting sometimes and the quarterback bailed out there were receivers that dropped passes that going back and looking at live game I'm thinking oh here but going back and watching the tape I'm like you know really you should be able to secure a ball and it wasn't a vicious hit or it wasn't anything like it was a ball that a division one athlete should catch. so I went with more of yes you can say the three interceptions for Rydell and the line is that another and I can explain away all the interceptions you want but I can also say they still count if you want but I think it was more shared across the board uh than, than just maybe one particular grouping you know that it, it watching the game it felt like 
hey, we, we're not getting it done at this one position group, but you're right. Going back, actually, Coach Corals brought it out on the, your, your uh, Monday night call, and, and when, when you go back and watch the film, you know, there's a saying that says, the big eye in the sky never lies. And, and the reality is um, everybody shares in, you know, we win as a team, we lose as a team, and, and everybody shares in what could they do better to, to, to get a victory. And, you know, the thing I, I've thought about this week is it emphasizes just how difficult it is to win a SOCON game, right? You know, notably, we've got a new offense. We've got, you know, we're learning. It's a new head coach, new team, and, and that development takes time. But, but even then, even when you've got a really good football team that has executed at a very high level in some big games – if everything is not firing on all cylinders, it's really hard to win a football game, particularly against a good football team like Furman. And so I think uh, uh, going back this week, the team sees the film and says, hey, there's there's no room for pointing fingers because everybody, just like you said, can point out, hey, this is where I could have done better, and it would have been the difference in the ball game. So I think uh, you know, last week was a difficult pill to swallow, but I think this is a great week to, to – get back on track it's a you know I don't want to call it a get right game but it's a way to say individually as players hey what am I going to do to help this team win you know I would love to call it a get right game uh, because that's generally a numbers game where you you know uh, that Kevin Tiggs for people have listened a long time kind of coined that when I would ask him hey what about this team and every once in a while I look at me and say it's a get right game and finally I'm like you know I think I know what that means and He's like, oh, yeah, this means we're going to win by about 30. I'm going to get my points, you know, and, and that's, you know, I'm going to feel good about the game. And I, I hope it is that. But this is one of those where it's just just win, right? Go back to Al Davis, just win, baby. Just, just, <laughs> yeah, just go win and do the things that it takes to win. And, and you mentioned, uh, and I'm a big fan, but you mentioned Tyler Rydell bailing out of the pocket too soon. Well, you know, he honestly, and I've been in that situation where I bailed out uh, too soon and it, and it disrupts the play he's got to stand in the pocket he's got to let the play develop in front of him because it's there but it is because he took an action too early that it uh, the play fell apart and the drive didn't maintain so I think uh, um, this is an opportunity for him stand in the pocket you may have to take a hit but I'm telling you Jay when you stand in the pocket you make the throw you don't feel the hit when that pass is caught you don't feel it you just get up and go to the next play the ones that hurt is when you get crushed and you don't you don't you don't throw the ball well you don't deliver the pass and you remember that one but just stand in the pocket get that feel again get that comfort in the pocket and let's go play football yeah and there, and there were plays to be had you know the the ball that was thrown short to Wilson was one then the, there was a double move where two guys were running wide open that you know Rodell that when the protection did break down and he wasn't able to, to make a throw sailors going back and I almost forgot that first and goal um run where he tried to bounce it outside if he actually just put his foot in the ground and cut back there was nobody in the middle and if he didn't walk into the end zone he was going to be to the one or two yard line that changed the whole complexion of that interception a few plays later and if Jacob Saylor stands up in the team room and says hey this is Jacob Saylor's hey I could have done better here to help us win everyone in that room will stand up and say yeah I could have done better to help us win and the great part I think about Tyler Idell's man that that kid's got a short memory he, and that's 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 great. He's able to just put that. He's learned from last week. Be able to put it behind him. Go forward this week. Defense still looking spectacular. They uh, finally gave up points off turnovers, but my goodness, CTSU office had four turnovers, so it's a little <laughs> little difficult. To, you know, they've given up short fields on the punt return at the Citadel. They've given up 
you know, four turnovers, but the first six, seven drives, I mean, it really shut them down. There was the, the, the killer right before halftime. And again, some of that could lay on the offense as well, but still got to figure out a way to get them off the field last 90 seconds. But that, that was the first drive really Furman had uh, consistent down the, uh, all the way down the field to put points on the board. Yeah, I think uh, in retrospect, uh, that half, uh, that that drive right before halftime was a was a was a killer for us. And Billy Taylor would tell you, "Hey, we got to get them off the field." Uh, but the thing that impressed me is the number of third and long situations that they put them in. And I, I really think uh, um, we couldn't have asked more of our defense in that in that scenario. And the great part about our defense is these guys. Uh, they don't care what's going on on the other side of the ball. They go out and execute, and it's their job to get the opposing offense off the field. I think we played inspired last week. I think we played with a lot of heart, and uh, it was against a good football team. And So our defense is playing a little bit ahead of our offense right now. I think that's clear. But just like the last five years, there are going to be games where our offense is ahead of our defense, and, and they know that, hey, now's our time to step up. The offense will catch up. Secondary looked great last week. It's going to be challenged again this week. You know, they threw a lot at Elijah Huzzy. Uh, Quinn Smith, when given an opportunity, able to make some plays. He's wearing that knee brace. We saw Tonquest Ball get in a little bit at the nickel. You know, Mike Price is Mike Price, the leader of that team. But Sheldon Arnold, Chris Hope. Chris Hope had three uh, three pass breakups, almost had an interception. That secondary played really good last week. Uh, they, they did, and I'm excited about the opportunity for them this week, uh, merely for the opportunity for turnovers. Uh, that's probably one thing year over year in comparing our defense. We're, we're not creating turnovers at the same rate that we did in the past. I think this is going to be a great opportunity for our guys to – Get a little bit of that swagger back, you know, that Karan DeLintz dancing before the game, that that, that the little bit of that swagger that our, our secondary brings to the game. And Timmy Dorsey, man, he was all over the place, had a fumble recovery, but you're the, the nose guard. He actually had picked off three passes in practice that week, and he deflects the ball. I think when he jumped, I think if he wouldn't have jumped, <laughs> I think he could have caught it. But, again, it's hard for me to say. I'm not in that situation. But what, what did – and for a nose guard in – and again, I'm, schematically, you, you can help me out with this, but the nose guard in the 3-4 defense, specifically the Billy Taylor, it is to eat up space and blockers, let linebackers get all the glory and make the tackles, and you generally don't ever hear of the nose guard. No, you don't, and and it, he truly is. And throughout our uh, tenure here with, with Billy Taylor defense, that nose tackle, no, nose guard position is the unsung hero. But you're right, his whole job is to eat up the center and one of the guards. So if you get... If it takes two to get to block him, then a run, then a linebacker's got a free lane through, and that's the deal. Take up two, get a free rushing lane, blitz the linebackers, create pressure. That's the Billy Taylor defense. Um, but when he when he's got the opportunity to get his hands on the ball, have it go up in the air, and and get an interception is it was he spazzed out. It was too much, and it's you're asking a lot for a big man to jump up in the air and catch a football. You're asking too much, Jay. Just just let gravity take hold, catch the ball when it comes down. I know nothing about gravity. I don't, I don't know why you were looking at me kind of cross there. But, uh, yeah, I get your point. But it, it was good to see Timmy, who has – you know, he kind of grew into that position last year. He started – was not the starter, was the backup, kind of worked his way into the starting position. Vocal guy. Again, came from across the country, right? Made a little bit famous by the last chance you and all that. And there's some – Negative connotation, I think, whenever you mention the word last chance you, but Timmy's been great to deal with in the hallway, 
been a great teammate for everybody talks about so just excited but i know when you call out the nose guards name a lot that that's a special day there and then one more defensive guy i want to touch on and it just billy taylor just creates monsters and chandler martin seems to be the next monster that's been created he 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 is playing he's punching way above his weight for his for his young age and and they had said uh they had said that hey watch out for this guy in years to come. We think he's going to be a pretty good linebacker. I, I think they were underselling us, Jay. That guy gets sideline to sideline as good as anybody. And when he arrives, he arrives in a bad humor. He likes to hit. He likes to be the aggressor. Uh, I, I just I love just watching that guy play football. And, and there, you know, there are guys that like to play football, and then there are football players. And he's a football player. The thing I like is it seemed like the instincts of, okay, he got burned a couple of times on the read option, and then from there he just gobbled it up. And, you know, if it was handed off, he was able to read that quickly, go assist that tackle. If the quarterback kept it, he was able to track the quarterback down. Now let's, and let's not yada yada Tyler Huff now. That was a 1,000% – I think I put it on Twitter. That was a 1,000% difference maker for Furman, uh, what he's done for that offense. And when you see the quarterback late in the game – on a what third and four and instead of sliding or juking he just tries to run now he didn't win the battle but he tried to run over people as a offensive player you know that has to fire you up when your quarterback's like man i'm laying it out there for you yeah respect i think the defense respect the defense won that battle um but respect was gained, I think, there because it was it wasn't a slide. It wasn't let me get out of bounds before I get hit. He realized there was there was a distance and a couple men between him and the first down marker, and he was going forward. Now I watched him get off the field, and his left arm was hanging low. So I I, I wonder, I hadn't followed up, but I wonder, you know, if he if he didn't get out of that hit with a with a busted up shoulder. Yeah, it probably felt it more even on Sunday. Yes. Um, Probably felt good to walk off, uh, obviously, the field with a big road win for Furman. And, you know, Furman's defense underrated. I thought they do, they're they similar to ETSU. They got a lot of hybrid guys and, and just guys that are in the right position, very rarely get burnt. And the one time they did was the, the touchdown pass and Naj Carter was, was running wide. I mean, nobody went in 20 yards of him. Yeah, can we just talk about how talented he looks on the field? And I think uh, – um, Coach Neugebauer, you know, had said in an early season meeting, hey, by the end of the season, we're going to know who that guy is, and, and or everyone's going to know who that guy is. And he's just athletically, he just, he looks good. He plays the part. We need to get the ball in his hands more. And let's talk about Cam Lewis. He, you know, he finally made his presence felt. We finally got some targets to him. And, and Tyler Rydell, you know, once he once he locked in on him, he was he was going to Cam Lewis. Well, and I thought maybe the throw of the game by by Rydell, and it's easy to point to a touchdown pass, and and I thought the corner route was a nice touch ball, but I thought where he had to slide in the pocket, he stayed in, slide in the pocket, then he had to take a few steps to his right, throw across his body about 18, 20 yards down the field, a strike to Cam Lewis across the middle, who was about his third or fourth read. I thought that was by far one of the best throws that's probably underrated that people wouldn't pay attention to. Yeah, and it's it's not that he just did the pocket maneuverability, but it's that he went to his, not his first read, not his second read, but his third read and his progression in the offense. And so what that shows is Tyler's development of the Nugabauer system. He, he knows where that guy is. Uh, the week before, we were missing uh, some checkdowns. We were missing some checkdowns. Uh, and he, that just tells you that he, he wasn't 
see, he doesn't see the whole field yet. But on that play, he knew exactly where to go for his for his third possession or third progression read. So I, I was happy to see that. And then he just went out and executed and made a great play. I think we'll see a lot more Cam Lewis and Anash Carter. Uh, this week and, and for the games to come. All right, I'm going to be a Debbie Downer here for a second, talking ETSU, because I, I sent you this information earlier, and we're going to talk about it on the pregame show. But ETSU, five trips in the red zone last year where they didn't come away with points. Already three this year. And you could look and almost say four and five, although it doesn't count because at the 21-yard line and 23-yard line, those are still possessions you should get points. Now, you look at that. Last year was the first time ETSU got under 40% on first down, gaining three or more yards. They're right now at 49%, two yards or less, uh, which leads to their average of third and 9.1 yards. That's tough to convert when you're averaging that. So, kind of breaking it down before we get to the red zone, simply put, now ETSU is a little, uh, because Coach Neugebauer did tell me, off, uh, off the record, but it was one of those I'm not going to share anything. Basically, they like to hit big plays on first down. So it's not earth-shattering. So 18% of the time on first down, they're getting 10 yards or more. 49% are getting two yards or less or an incomplete. That's not a lot of room for just three, four, six-yard gains on first down. No, it's not. And, and when you look at this style of offense and really the offense that he wants to get to – if you have a big play first down, it really opens up your whole offense and it puts the defense on it on, on its heels for the rest of the possession. But if you're not converting on first down, then you become a little bit more predictable on what you do on second down. And so if you're not successful on second down, then then you know what's coming on third down. So, so I think we've seen a little bit of that. Um, in the past, we had um, Jacob Sailors and, and Quay Holmes getting big runs on first down to get us to second and short, and we can open up the offense there. Now this is a different – it's just a different way of getting there. We just need to go out and execute on first down. And like we talked about in, in the four downs last week, offense coordinator's favorite words are third and short, and the way you get to third and short is big first down. And so we need a little bit more of that this week. So you take a look at Robert Morris, and on paper it looks like, boy, they just not come into the run. They don't run the ball. But – you know, one of those games, obviously, they played at FBS school, Miami, Ohio, but they really have a talent to just watching him when he's able to get loose. And uh, Elijah Jackson, number two, their running back, he's a guy that they're going to try to get to the football. I talked to Bernard Clark Jr. yesterday, who's an ex linebacker from Miami Hurricanes, a couple national championships, a couple few years in the NFL. He knows what he's doing. Defensive guy, and it was amazing to hear. Um, and you'll, you'll hear it because I recorded everything, but. Um, It'll run on the pregame show, but to hear his, a lot of Billy Taylor talk. I mean, it was almost when he was talking about, you know, the defense. And, and basically, I don't care. How, it's, I tell defense all the time, I don't care how many yards you give up, how many points you give up, how many points. And so that's his big match to the team. So they've got three stops in the red zone already where people came away with no points. And he said that, you know, and four out of the nine trips have been touchdowns. So – Five of the nine is either no points or three points. So that's that's going to keep you in a lot of ball games. And he said they've switched offenses too. They're going to more of the up-tempo, um, you know, trying to do some things. But said during the bye week last week that he did talk to his offense coordinator about, uh, hey, champ, uh, we, we can't go three and out and a minute off the clock. De- no bueno for the defense. Like, you've got to – Figure out. So we are going to be committed to run the ball. He said, I don't care who is her. We are going to be committed to run the ball. So Elijah Jackson is probably going to get a lot of carries. And they have a two-quarterback system just out of necessity 
because they really don't know who's who's the man. Now it's going to be uh, Jake Simmons, number fourteen, is going to get the start. He's the bigger of the two at about two hundred and five pounds. Now Anthony Chickett did get hurt last game, uh, non-throwing shoulder. So we'll see if he will go. But I would. They've been rolling two. If Chickett can go, I'm assuming they're going to roll two. And those are two different quarterbacks at two two different things. Which the old saying, if you have two quarterbacks, you don't have one. But the other saying is, Billy Taylor's got to prepare for two quarterbacks. You got to prepare for you got to prepare for two, and it's tough to get tendencies. I think the shoulder injury will will know real quick whether he is mobile enough to play, and and if you know, it depends on how bad that shoulder injury is. But if you can't hand the ball off with that with that left hand, you you know that they're they're either going to go to the right or they're throwing the ball. And so so if you can begin to narrow down what's going to happen. Um, that, then the defense has an advantage, but I think uh, I think what's going to be key really for Robert Morris is can they run the ball? Uh, I think uh, Billy Taylor can dial up enough defenses to put pressure on them to get them out of the passing game that they want to be in. But if they can run the ball, then then it opens up the Robert Morris offense. And so I think if we can shut that down early, get the lead early, uh, we can we can control the game from that point. Defensively, they're just giving up, uh, I think it's 7 of 27 on uh, third down, so just under 30%. So, again, they're getting teams in third and long. They have a bunch of blitz packages just watching the first two games. Again, it's similar to, to Billy Taylor. It's a 3-4. Occasionally, they'll walk up the outside linebacker for an even man front, but it's it's going to look very similar. Yeah, and this is exactly what we need. We need to see the pressure. We need to see those blitz packages and be able to pick them up and, and, and see that, that – challenge that we're going to get the rest of the year you know our our, our film's already out there our, the, the playbook is set against us bring pressure uh, you know stop the run and bring pressure against us and you're going to have a chance against ETSU so what do we need to see folks trying to stop the run and bring a pressure against us we got to we got to learn to overcome it it's like the early days of <laughs> yeah, it, yeah it is it, it has very much that feel of going back to we got to get back to basics here guys all right your your thoughts on uh before we get to four downs, just your thoughts of what ETSU needs to do to pick up a win. I love that we have a road game, and here's why. I think this team is a team that is in search of its identity at this point. You know, gone are the uh, – and, and I think we need to stop saying it – the twenty you know 2021 conference champions. Like, gone is that talk. This is, this is 2022, and, and we need to find out what this 2022 identity looks like. And so I think going on the road, you know, getting it, like coming together, being in a position where it's just us guys, let's go out and make something happen. It's just us in this room. Uh, I think that's where we need to be. One, two, three, four. 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 One, two, three. Four. One, two, three. Four now. Four now. Four now. Four, 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 four now. All right, four downs with Matt Weljam. First down. First down. I got to get there. First down. There it is. First down. I wish I could sound like Michael Jackson, but I'm talking to the man in the mirror. Yeah, Coach Corals made it clear. Everyone has room for improvement on this team, and the difference between being 3-0 and 1-2 and 
It's just a handful of plays where we didn't execute across the board. Our boys need to take a look at themselves individually, like we talked about, and see where they can improve to get us on the winning track. Not so fast, my friend. Yeah, and we talked about this also. In an effort to make plays happen, Tyler Idell was bailing out of the pocket too quickly last week. We need to protect him better, noted, but we also need T.Y. to stand in the pocket longer, let the play develop in front of him. Granted, it's a hard thing to do when you're under pressure, but he's got to let that play develop under him, uh, in front of him, and deliver the pass. This is the most important one, I think. Be greedy. Yeah, one area that we need to grow on defense is to get takeaways. So far this season, we, we are behind in the turnover margin. Um, for us to be successful this game as well as the rest of the year, getting extra possessions needs to be a priority for us. All right, a little Beastie Boys for you, a little kick it. Yes, nice. Let's get Tyler Keltner back to his old self and build some confidence in the kicking game. He won us ball games in the past and will do again this season. Do it again this season. He just needs to knock a few through the uprights to regain his confidence and, and get some points on the board for us. Take the two. I mean, by the way, second, third, fourth. Forgot to do those, but that's okay. We still got second, third, fourth. What about uh, the two point conversion? I know this is uh, really not what we do, but I think uh, one is greater than three. Yeah, went on first down and to set up third and manageable. ETSU can't average third and nine to be successful today. And then I think the last one, and this is the, the, the story of the day, it's not how you start. Yeah, without without question. It's not how you start, it's how you finish. Finish is the word for the for this week for the coach corals. Finish blocks, finish runs, finish passes, finish catches, finish tackles, finish drives, finish stopping drives, and finish doing your job. And finish the game. Just do it all. Just finish and win, right? That, that, that's it. Every coach, every player, that's all they talked about, and, and rightfully so. Just a couple plays away here, a couple plays away there. You're 3-0 and now. You are what your record says you are, but the team's not too far down. No, it's not, and, and there's a lot of good football teams ahead of us this coming season. We don't need to get ahead of Saturday, but but we get we get some big wins ahead of us. I think we'll feel good about this season. Breakdown. Five, five, four, four, three, three, two, one, one. Sandoz and the sidekick. We have ignition. Strap it on. Here we go. In your face. All right, let's break it down real quick. Five Southern Conference squads out of nine are ranked or receiving votes in the latest national polls. Chattanooga ranked ninth. Top 25 uh, in the coaches poll. They're 10th in the stats. FCS performed top 25. Mercer 16 in the coaches, 17 in stats. Sanford 22 and 21 respectively. Furman the first team out of both polls while ETSU receiving votes in both rankings and they could go a long way the next couple of uh chances here robert morris and then at home against chattanooga let's take a look at the uh, first ever sandoz power rankings let's see how you feel about this all right the c word number one mercer two it's a little bit of a toss-up here i went firm in three sanford four but honestly you could put sanford three firm and four I, I don't i really wouldn't argue i think those are Right there at three and four. Western Carolina got at five. The Citadel at six. ETSU seven right now since they're 0 and 2 in the league. VMI eight and Wofford nine. Last night for Chattanooga against Illinois, obviously a tough um, sledding 
for the mocks against the Big Ten powerhouse, uh, Brett Bielema, the uh, coach that was at uh, Wisconsin, who lost his mind inside to go to Arkansas, and then, you know, was not very good and now back in the Big Ten. But he's got Illinois playing some defense, running the football. It was a tough day for Preston Hutchinson, 6 of 18, 49 yards, two touch or two interceptions, excuse me, as they didn't score. And then he was lifted uh, for Cole Copeland, a limb forward, 17 carries, 93 yards. But a tough day, uh, as you can imagine. And Chattanooga's moving on past that. Let's look at other games this weekend. It'll be Furman at Charleston Southern. The Paladins are rolling with a new quarterback, Tyler Huff, who's averaging 222 yards passing, 72 yards rushing. He is the difference maker, no doubt, for the Paladins this year. Their defense is maybe underrated. They held Clemson in check, and they forced four turnovers against ETSU last week. While the Bucks at Charleston Southern are off to an 0-3 start and been beaten by more than two scores in every single game, Furman should be able to roll in this one. Mercer-Gardner-Webb, the first ever meeting between the two schools and should be a good game. Mercer has one of the best combinations of quarterback and wide receiver in Fred Payton, Ty James. They've connected for five touchdowns already this year. Their defense pitched a shutout against the Citadel and would try to slow down the running Bulldogs. For Gardner-Webb, a tough loss against former ETSU quarterback Jamie Chadwell, the head coach at FBS Coastal Carolina. The Chanticleer scored the go-ahead score with six minutes to go, and then Gardner-Webb on their last two drives would throw two picks to end the upset bid. Then the following week, last weekend, a heartbreaker against a former Southern Conference team, the Phoenix of Elon. The Bulldogs, one and two, but Mercer could be in for a handful. I think Mercer's going to pull this out uh, basically by three points. Wofford, Kennesaw State, if the Owls lose this one, they will never be able to say anything about the Southern Conference ever again, but they do draw the toothless Terriers. Well... They did find the end zone. Let's give Wofford a little bit of credit. After 11 straight quarters of scoreless football, they did get in the end zone against Virginia Tech. Maybe they could use that as a springboard against the Owls. The Owls are fuming after an 0-2 start. This is a get-right game for them. It could be the fastest game of the year, maybe played in two and a half hours. Josh Conklin, or Conklin, I should say, is hoping the fact that they hung tough with Virginia Tech could maybe get things going when they head to Georgia this weekend. Western Carolina and Samford, this is the only SoCon game this week. It has potential to be the highest-scoring game of the year. Samford's duo of Michael Ayers and Chandler Smith have also connected for five touchdowns, similar to Mercer. Those two have had some late-game heroics. A come-from-behind win with just 25 seconds to go last week against former ETSU assistant coach Dwayne Alexander in Cookville against Tennessee Tech. Sanford is 2-1 with a obviously respectable loss against the number one team ranked in the country and defending national champions Georgia Bulldogs. The Catamounts are 2-1 with a loss at Georgia Tech. Kerwin Bell has that offense clicking. Even the backup last week threw for 276 and three scores. And if that wasn't good enough, he ran out three extra quarterbacks who threw for touchdown passes as well. They did all that without Carlos Davis, who's been off to a great start so far this season. This game could be 52-49, could be the longest game of the year, could be spectacular fireworks and a must-see. That being said, I'm probably going to be totally incorrect. It's going to be like 24-21, but I'm going to go with Sanford and the home team in that. So that's a look at our breakdown. Southern Conference, how about old Matty Cakes rejoins me as we do a little bold predictions. Shohei Otani, I don't know if you heard this yet. He's going to pitch and hit. Mark it down there. Plus 10 ERA, hit a buck 20 max. There's not a soul that can stop the big three in New Jersey. That's in five, baby. Literally the last person on earth that should ever be considered for the U.S. national team. 
is JaVale McGee. NIL stands for never in life, as in never in life will NIL be a real thing. No, you can't. You cannot show me one guy more dedicated to the university than Damari Monsanto. He will go down as one of the best to ever do it at ETSU. A newly fit Jay Sandoz will never scuff another drive in Johnson City Country Club. Senior Tour, here we come. I've got to pick it up. It's like five years away from the Senior Tour. It's not that far away. Yeah, and I'm, I'm not very good. So, uh, I got that going for me. Last week, I did get one right. I said a notch cutter to finally find the end zone. I did. Uh, Nebraska was not good. Um, North Dakota State did not beat Arizona, uh, much to my dismay. You went uh, law firm Huzzy and Huzzy. Uh, did not, you got one but not two. Uh, no, you got none. Neither one of them scored. What am I talking about? Um, I, I'm just so used to Will Huzzy scoring every week. Um, then you had Atlanta sweeps. We'll get back to that in a second. And Bears win. I have no idea why you ever go with the Bears. Uh, Atlanta won the first five of six. And then uh, it, you want to recap that real quick? No, I don't. Okay. But, but let's just say it came down to a 30-year-old rookie who the Braves originally signed goes on to not play, finally makes his debut against the Braves at 30 years old. And in the, in the seventh inning, he he knocks a jack that is a go-ahead winner for the Phillies and, and the Braves go down and with it my bold prediction well that means I'm beating Matt on the season bold predictions which is what I like to hear uh that being said I'm gonna go actually I think we're tied I was gonna uh, say we're one and one yeah uh, well we're not one and one we're or we one have one, one each we're one and <laughs> five <laughs> right, right I love where your head's at all right I'm gonna start off I'm gonna go Tyler Rodell 350 yards or more passing it'd be a career day for him that would be a big day I I think 250s in in uh, very reasonable so 350 would would be bold I, I agree I'm gonna go Cam Lewis Scores two touchdowns Ooh. this week. One of them will be receiving. So either a rush or a pass for that. I like that one. Um, uh, what's your uh, What's your other one? I, 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 yeah, I don't want to steal yours okay. if you're doing it. You know, um, folks are finally starting to get on the Dolphin fan wagon. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Out of feeling. Yep, yep. Big win last week against Baltimore. They got the Bills Mafia coming in. They're plus five against the Bills at home. I, I, I think I – think the the Dolphins win this late. Not not only obviously do they cover, but they they win this one outright. The Dolphins, Dolphins over Phil or over Bills. Yeah, and they're all yeah. Open at a touchdown, it's down to five. But still, that's that's an NFL. If you're over three, it's a pretty healthy number uh, to overcome. Uh, are you going Gators on your last one? Yeah. What, what was yours? Lions. Sorry. Oh. Okay. Detroit on the road at Minnesota. They've not won on the road in the in, in a NL uh, NL. Listen, I'm, I'm talking baseball now. In the uh, NFC North in a long time, and they are going to upset the Minnesota Vikings. I'm all over this is, the Detroit Lions right now. This is a this is a jilted lover thing against uh, Gallagher, isn't it? That's fair. Yes. So wait, wait. I don't know who Minnesota's playing, but I'm not. Actually, I know who St. Thomas is playing. I'm going to take whoever they're playing uh, at some D three school. But go ahead. All right. And for me, number three, you know. I don't know that many people know this. Originally from South Florida, I've got three siblings that graduated from Florida. My twin brother was accepted at Florida. So out of the five of us, I'm the only one that was not accepted at Florida. Makes me a 
black sheep of the family. I know Tennessee fans are right. I worked in Florida for a And year. you did. Yeah, we so worked at Florida. So, so we all have a tie. But I have you. a little tie there. So I know Tennessee fans are, are uh, riding high, thinking this is going to be this year. But, but the Gators, uh, the maligned Gators at this point, they come in and they once again crush the hearts of Tennessee fans everywhere. You said that very happily, by the way. Yeah, it's, it's well, a thing. I've never uttered these words in my bold prediction, but I'm going to take Notre Dame <laughs> on the road. As bad as they have looked, they're going to go on the road at North Carolina. It's got a little momentum, a little steam, undefeated Tar Heels. And Notre Dame, who is a very not, – not healthy, but it's over touchdown underdog. I think they're going to walk into Chapel Hill, figure it out, and Notre Dame uh, outright winner. Uh, again, I took a couple almost touchdown dogs, but I'm going to take um, – Notre Dame. So to recap, I got right L350 passing. Uh, Notre Dame and the Lions, both uh, heavy underdogs on the road to pick up road wins. You've got Cam Lewis, two touchdowns, but only one receiving. Miami Dolphins at home, almost a touchdown underdog. And then the Florida double-digit dog Gators who never seem to lose the Tennessee Volunteers. And you're going to try to crush the hopes and dreams of the Volunteers who think they're fighting for the number two spot in the East because I don't believe anybody believes they're fighting for the number one. No, no, no human outside of Georgia thinks they're fighting for the number one, but Georgia, right? That's it. No, and I That's think fair. I'm happy to see Tennessee riding high. I think Florida gets it done. All right. So uh, you're back for the October 1st uh, whiteout game, correct? I am. Big, big game. Huge game. All right, so we're going to deal with Mark Hutzel. We're going to deal with Robert Harper. Uh, we are leaving here. Uh, we recorded this at 9.08 in the morning, so I'll have this up by about 9.30. I'm going to hit the road after that. We're going to go a little Cubs-Pirates tonight. What do you think of that? That'll be a big-time game. and, and uh, We may be the only people there. Well, <laughs> but, but that's a sign of a true baseball fan. And remember, the over-under on Permani Brothers sandwiches is, I think it was seven? Is that Seven and a half. Seven I believe and a half. Throw, but I, we're throwing Robert in there. So between me, Kevin, and Robert, we're going to try to make that a deal. Deal. So we'll see. All right, we'll be back Tuesday. Uh, we will talk ETSU. Robert Morris will take a look around the Southern Conference. We'll tell you what we got right and wrong on bowl predictions. Uh, mainly wrong, but hopefully we'll get one right, especially the Buccaneer choices. All right, another edition of Sandos No Sidekick on Tuesday. Buccaneer Sports Network. Buccaneer Sports Network.